Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 16th chapter of John. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. At that All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I have said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in faith. When you hear the name Constantine, even if you have just maybe a casual familiarity with church history, that emperor's name might ring a bell. He's often believed to be the big difference maker in making Christianity the dominant religion and kind of the understanding of what we believe today. That's sort of true, but Constantine wasn't exactly a devote. Uh, devoted and devout Christian. Yeah, he became converted, but when the empire started to notice things going on and theological arguments taking place, if things were going that were unresolved, Constantine's motivations might have been more to keep the peace than to make sure that the right decisions were being made. And so when one of those theological arguments started to break out, Constantine said, hey, let's bring everyone together. And he presided over the very first church council meeting, the Council of Nicaea. Now the thing is, Constantine, he wasn't baptized, and so the expectations of a Christian in those days would have been a little odd that here this person was leading this session. Uh, But here, certainly as the emperor, he had that right. And so when Constantine brings everyone together in this council at Nicaea, there are a, a few different things going on. In fact, the, the people who would lose this council, if you wanted to put it that way, didn't have that power taken away from them for very long. In fact, those who were apparently at the bottom ended up kind of rising to the top. And so the Arians had some power for a pretty long time, uh, and they were influential with Constantine. In fact, when Constantine was on his deathbed, he does finally get baptized by an Arian. And so this plays out in really interesting ways. If you thought the Reformation stories of Martin Luther and Johann Tetzel and all of that Reformation stuff was really cool, I think the stuff that's happening in about the year 300 is really got some some interesting depth to it. So we'll have characters like Arius and Athanasius play into this. Trinity Sunday is one of those very few occasions where the doctrine of the church takes more of the spotlight than the teachings of Jesus. And so those who followed Jesus 
really had a lot at stake. And so the fact that we are here in a Trinitarian church, we owe a lot of that to Athanasius and very easily could have been Arian in that understanding of who Christ was. And so what started as a kind of a small squabble between a bishop and a priest in Alexandria, Alexander, uh, escalated into this very first ecumenical council between all of, all of the Christian leaders in the world at the time. So we've got Arius. He was, he was kind of the, uh, the voice of, of one side. And so Arius was a popular presbyter within the city of Alexandria. And he insisted that Jesus was actually created by God. And so that might seem kind of insignificant, but it's going to matter a lot. Because this really did go counter to that prevailing stance by the bishop of Alexandria, Alexander, that Christ was God. Not created by God, but was in fact indeed God all in the same, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all the same thing. This disagreement led to the potential for a divide within all of the Eastern Church at the time. And so that's why Constantine said, hey, I really need to step up and intervene. And so he called this first council together in the year 325 in Nicaea. And so before Constantine came into power, being a Christian was not a safe thing to be. You actually would, would bear the brunt of being a Christian depending on how vocal and how outward you expressed your faith. It put a target on your back, and they basically had, you were fair game, so you'd get picked on. And so many of the people who were gathering here at this original council of Nicaea didn't know each other, but they kind of knew each other by reputation. So over 300 bishops get summoned to, uh, to Nicaea, this uh, city very close to uh, Constantinople. Uh, famous theologian uh, Justo Gonzalez writes about this time. He said many of the bishops had been imprisoned or tortured or exiled, and so many of them bore on their bodies the physical marks of that faithfulness. So now, just a few years after all the trials that they went to, suddenly they're invited to gather, and more the emperor is the one who's inviting them in and covering their expenses. Think about what a change this would have been for them. Most of these bishops didn't belong to the side of Arius or Alexander, which would be Athanasius. And so this controversy that was threatening the church right after they'd been experiencing all this persecution was something that they were like, why are we doing this? Why are we fighting when we finally are safe to be able to practice our Christianity? So there was a lot of incentive to find some compromise, to say, look, let's at least have a common ground so we can move forward. And so one of the bishops that came out of the Arian camp thought that all he had to do was make a super simple statement about what he believed, and everyone would be like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Let's just all sign on and believe that. So he makes his statement. He thought that this trick was going to, uh, if he could just tell everyone, let's declare that Jesus was no more than a creature, no matter how mighty he was, everyone would believe this. And that created an uproar. How dare you say that Jesus is just a creature, that Jesus isn't God? And so suddenly the council was determined by this statement to say, not only aren't we going to find a compromise, but we're going to get rid of all of you. Everyone who's a believer in the Arian, in, in the Arian sense, uh, we're going to exile you. You got to get out of here. People would use scripture to try to defend their points, including that Proverbs reading today. These arguments weren't going to get it done. They said, look, we, we just got to get rid of Arian. You guys, your, your, your point of view doesn't, doesn't work. We need you to move along. And they decided that scripture wasn't going to be enough. They said, we need to come up with a creed. We need to have like this common statement of belief. And so oftentimes here at worship, we'll use the Apostles' Creed. 
this is the Sunday where we're going to use the Nicene Creed. And this is the creed that emerges out of this council. Constantine suggested that they use a word in their creed that would get translated to substance. He said, look, there's, a, there's an argument about what is Jesus made out of. You need to say that Jesus is made out of the same substance as God the creator and the same sub- substance as the, as the Holy Spirit. Essentially, we're... We're worshiping one God with three different identities, not three different gods. And so that was really the, 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 the big part of this argument. And so this young deacon at the time, Athanasius, he doesn't look young in this picture, but eventually he would grow up and he would bear the brunt of a lot, of more, a lot more fighting. This, uh, this deacon was the assistant to Alexander, and he was a key figure in constructing the Nicene Creed. And so the question was focused on, is Jesus created Or is Jesus eternal? One of the things we think about is John's gospel. How does John's gospel begin? In the beginning was the Word, capital W, the Logos. Jesus is the Word, created, creator, being part of the very, very beginning. And so we think about how uh, Jesus isn't something created by God, but Jesus is God. Clear argument that Jesus wasn't something just kind of manufactured, but was truly God. Thus the Nicene Creed. You're going to hear all sorts of interesting uh, words in this expression that might think you, you might think about this a little differently today. Expressions like begotten, not made. It's like who talks like that? Well, people who need to make sure that you understand that Jesus was not somebody created. Uh, he was begotten. He was one with God in heaven. Now the majority of the bishops agreed to it at this time. They're like, yep, we, we can sign on to this. And if you don't, well, you're a dissenter. We're going to kick you out of Constantinople. You got to go. We're going to send you to exile. You'd think that this would have solved everything. But now you got to remember that Constantine, he really just kind of cared about the peace. And he wasn't a fully practicing Christian. So it was kind of like he was pretty easily convinced if someone got into his head. And one of the people who got into his head just happened to be somebody who was an Arian. Uh, one of the bishops was started to like really work on him. He's like, look, uh, so Eusebius of... Uh, Eusebius was able to keep working on him and say, look, here's the deal. Uh, I want you to understand what this is all about. And if you keep saying that Jesus is God, what does that make you as emperor? And so suddenly Constantine's like starting to say, okay, well, I'm going to relax some of those things that we talked about at the council. And so all of a sudden, if you were Arian, he was like, ah, you don't have to be in exile anymore. In fact, you can be in full communion. And so people are able to kind of start coming back. And all of a sudden, they do a little power play underneath. And they start making Athanasius out to be the bad guy. So if you think about all the Roman emperors who would come along, you know, after, after Constantine, he's got his kids who are in power. And some of these kids ended up being more towards the side of Arian because they were like, we don't want another god out there. That threatens our power. And so uh, Constantine's son, who ends up kind of being the the sole emperor, just so happened to be Arian. And he's the one who's like, look, we're going to end up going along with this. You think about all of this and how this turns out. They're like, it's better for the emperors if Jesus is just a guy and not God. Truly helped out their ego. And it was at this point that the expression comes out that the entire world woke up from a deep slumber and discovered that they had actually become Arian. Bishops had to make these signatures and sign off to these statements saying, yeah, this is what we believe, even though they didn't believe it. The new emperor was forcing these Arian confessions of faith. 
And who came along and stood up and said, look, it was as if he said, here I stand, I can do no other. This bishop, eventually Athanasius, who takes over for his mentor, is the one who does take the reins and does continue to say, speaking out against the Arian position. This Athanasius, a young deacon who grows up to be the defender of the belief that Jesus Christ is God, not just a good guy, not just a man created by God, but truly God in heaven, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three of the same substance, yet one God. Okay, so why does all this matter today? You know, I, I could talk about church history all day, but looking at you, you're like, wow, let's save some of that for the next few weeks, okay? So, I want you to see how this figures out in practice for us, because Athanasius stuck his neck on the line and continued to defend this position for the rest of his life. No matter how much pushback he faced, no matter how easy it would have been to just be like, sure, fine, he's just a similar substance. He didn't give in. And he died before it was truly adopted that this was how we would practice our faith. But if he didn't persevere in this, we wouldn't be here worshiping the Trinity. We would probably just believe in the Creator and Jesus was a good prophet. Luther probably said it best when he declared, and this is something I think you will agree with, to deny the Trinity is to risk our salvation. To try and explain this Trinity is to risk our sanity. You're going to walk out today and explain the Trinity? Good luck. But what does it feel like? What does it feel like to know we have God the Creator, Christ the Son incarnate in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit that walks alongside us? You know, I experience the Trinity in so many ways. I see God at work in creation, this beautiful earth that we have, to see God's creation all around us. I see God at work in the Holy Spirit and this presence that I feel when I'm praying, oftentimes over a cup of coffee, that calm that I have in my heart when a big decision has to be made, knowing I am never alone, that I always have the Holy Spirit to guide me. And finally, I see God at work in the flesh, We as a church are the hands and feet of God. That really does mean that we are the church incarnate. We are God. We are Christ's presence into this world. During the announcements, I shared a video where Gabrielle kind of talked about what it was like to to walk along the path with with chronically homeless neighbors and to be able to have uh, this sacred settlement. There's another friend who made an announcement that day who shared why he thought this was so important. His name's Todd, and Todd is one of the Uh, founders of another important ministry that we've done, Walking with a Purpose. And here is why I think this is a true embodiment of Christ as God, Christ as giving us this authority as the hands and feet of God into the world. Hi. My name is Todd Fesky. I live in the Battle Creek neighborhood of St. Paul. I'm also founder and president of Walking with a Purpose Minnesota. For over seven years, we have been out multiple days every week visiting the homeless camps, bringing them clothes, food, water, blankets, candles, batteries, whatever they need. But we also get to know them. We listen to their stories and how they became homeless and why some of them choose to remain outside. I have heard hundreds of stories over the last seven years. Each one has their own reason for being there. There is not one reason. But I found they all have one thing in common. 
They're all looking for something. It's the one thing we all need in order to have a fulfilling life. And that's a place to belong. And that's what Settled is all about. It's not just about giving them shelter. I've had a lot of them go in and come back out. Go in and come back out. Because that's where they feel they belong. But that's not what Sacred Settlement's about. It's about a community, building relationships. They're not judged by their past and what they've gone through. They're judged by who they are now and what they can be. And that's what it's really about. And it's not just about our St. Paul community. There's already interest throughout the state on this and the rest of the country. And we've done a good job of showing we care about the homeless. But we can be a leader in solving it. My team of dedicated volunteers were out for almost 12 hours yesterday. We served over 80 people that are spending the night outside. And that's where the ones we could find. And I can give you over 80 reasons to pass this. But sometimes we only need one reason to do it. And that reason is really simple. It's just the right thing to do. I want to thank you for your time and your support. What Todd really hits home is that it's the right thing to do. And so the war in Ukraine, which is causing global inflation, causing gas to be expensive, food to be expensive, things are tough for all of us. And it might be tempting for us to hoard and to say, oh, these are stressful times. But what I hear from him is things aren't going to let up anytime soon. One of my most respected peers in the community and who is very influential within the social work network, Mary Sue Hansen, she reached out to me this past week saying, hey, is there anything that we could do as a church to, to help walk alongside a family here in, in Forest Lake? A single mom with a lot of kids. They need some help. They're about to get evicted. I think about all of the affordable housing options out there and how they're getting quickly gobbled up because landlords are picky because they can be. Mary Sue said that there's about to be a tsunami of homelessness, like more than we could ever imagine. And it's not just going to be chronic homelessness. It's going to be lower middle class families who have the rug pulled out from under them. She's seeing more and more of it at the food shelves. She said families that have never been sheltered before are going to experience homelessness. This wave is coming. I don't know how we're going to respond when this wave hits, Faith. But I do hope that the work that we've done with Settled and with Walking with a Purpose helps us remember with an open mind that we need to continue to explore unique possibilities. Athanasius of Alexander devoted his entire life to remind Christians that Jesus isn't just a great guy. Jesus is God. Same substance as God in heaven. Eternal. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are creating, walking with, and encouraging us on our next steps. Where will those steps take us? By faith, I truly, truly believe that it's towards doing the right thing. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able as we make this statement of belief as we enter
into this statement of the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.